Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the marvellous Jen Lee. Jen has quite a story to tell about her own PhD experience and out of that journey she now does amazing work supporting others. So if you are struggling at the moment, um, feeling isolated or marginalised, then I hope that this story will be truly inspiring to you. And I do hope that you enjoy this episode. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. Um, I was just apologising to you. I'm going to apologise to everyone else now. I've got a bit of a cold, so excuse the um, the nasal vibes, if that is indeed a thing. Um, but it is so lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for saying yes and for, for coming on. Um, and you've got a really interesting story through the PhD. And uh, so really looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, but I always start with inviting people to talk about their own journey um so can you tell us a little bit about your journey through the phd process yeah of course i can um so my the phd that i admit to that's on my cv is, <laughs> is one in, well yeah i'll come back to that um <laughs> it's one in education um from the university of birmingham um and i studied that with I was under uh, Professor Richard Bailey who is actually in sport more than education and I looked at the experiences of young children were using somatic movement to look at how they reflected and experienced and perceived their sense of embodiment through movement which was absolutely fascinating and loved it and I did it in four years part-time whilst moving across the country, getting divorced and doing a PGCE, a PGCHE and getting a full-time job. So it was quite busy. Grief. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, yeah, no, that is, it is amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> uh, amazing. And I think it shows you what is possible. This is possible, people, to do yeah, this. Yeah, it is. It is possible. It's hard work. Um, but the PhD that I don't really admit to um, which is now starting to creep back in because of the research that I've been doing, um, is that I did straight from my undergraduate, I got accepted onto a PGCE at Birmingham. Um, I did move around. I didn't just stay in Birmingham for 20 years. <laughs> I got accepted onto a PhD in computational chemistry. And in the first term, my supervisor left the university and went to work in industry and said to me that he wanted to carry on supervising me and his mate was going to take over my project. It was a really highly funded European project. So I was like, okay, okay, that's great, um, and carried on. And it ended up being a, a really, really challenging experience. I had mm. one child already um, who then got ill. As you can imagine, there were issues being externally supervised. I think I had one meeting in a year. Um, and the supervisor that took me on basically ended up after a year having to change the project that I was doing because it wasn't PhD worthy because he and it wasn't in his area of expertise because he only took me on as a favor to a mate my daughter got really ill um, and wasn't able to go to nursery full time so I asked to go part-time and at that point in science this was something that was just not done at all 
Um, I used to go to, um, I was in a group where they would have meetings at 6 p.m., but the nursery shut at 6 p.m. Mm. I would have, um, I was asked to do uh, a little bit of time every single day. So kind of going in for two hours a day, which anyone who's done any part-time working knows that is absolutely the worst way yes. to get anything done because you just can't get your head in the right space. Yes. Um, I ended up getting pregnant um, after about two and a half years. And at that point was told that I wouldn't get any maternity pay so I could have unpaid leave and that was it. And I ended up just completely disengaging. I don't think my supervisor contacted me at all um in that time and I just left and was like I don't want to do anything in academia and um I've been training as a yoga I've been doing yoga and I basically decided I wanted to, to train as a yoga teacher and that's what I did and I trained as a yoga teacher and a somatic movement therapist and um, which then later led to me going back to do a PhD um yes. because we went we wanted to apply for funding I was working with a partner and we wanted to apply for funding from the Arts Council and they said this is a great project get a university involved to do the evaluation at which point I thought that's someone gonna get a PhD out of my work I don't want that <laughs> and went back and and that's when I, I decided to to go back in and do it myself but I went in with a very clear idea of what I wanted from a supervisor the second time round. Um, so I knew I wanted someone who was really hands-on, who would be there every step of the way. And uh, Richard really was. He's still one of my close friends, to be honest, which is I think is, is fantastic. Um, and I remember the first interview we had, he said at that point, he had troubles with some PhD students who just wanted to be left to get on with it. And he was like, I'm not that kind of supervisor. And I was like, I. I've had that kind of supervisor and I don't want that for a second time. So, yeah, he took a complete punt on me because it was a, a different subject and a, a completely different to anything I'd ever done before. But, yeah, it worked out. So this is an amazing, inspirational story for all sorts of reasons. It's also a deeply troubling and disturbing story for all sorts of reasons. And I can totally understand why that first PhD experience is something you want to kind of write out of the right out of the story um but as you were saying in terms of it, it's it's come back around that experience has come back around and I know we were talking just before um we started recording about now actually you're coming back into doing some more scientific based research um and so that sense of no experience is wasted and learning from that experience so that's the that's the kind of positive spin on it I guess really and in terms oh, of people if people are having a hard time of it at the moment to know that this will be useful completely so I um have you know changed fields into social science into I actually changed fields several times I went from education to two postdocs in psychology and then into higher education which is where I am now um I think the um the somatic movement and the yoga um, and all of that kind of experience that I have led me towards doing a lot of creative and reflective research approaches, what are called mm. innovative research approaches. Mm. Um, and I taught on a PGCHE, so teaching for uh, new lecturers and PhD students who are in education. And on one of those classes, I had a student um, who was a, a scientist, chemist. It was a difficult, we've all had difficult students or been difficult students. And mm. um, they're often scientists, especially in social science situations like that one. Um, and I won her over and we became really good friends. And as a result, I'm co-I on two big projects. So what she's a she won a future leaders fellowship for 1.3 million, which I'm a co-I on. 
And uh, together we put in for a BA Apex research grant, which is over £100,000, and an associated public engagement project, which I lead on for, for £10,000. And the reason that we're collabor collaborating is we're looking at um, how we can use the community that we she founded, I'm one of the founder members of, which is looking at experiences of how we can support the retention and progression of women in chemistry and supramolecular chemistry. So this organisation, this network, um, WISC, was set up in late 2019. Um, and then we got all of the funding to look at how women experience being a, a principal investigator, a PI in the lab, and how they can work to create, to increase moments of innovation and creativity within science, to do better science, to run a team better, to how they can enhance communication. And the reason that I'm involved is because all of these chemists, these wonderful women, incredible scientists, they see me as an insider because they know I've been there. Mm. Um, so we've had an article published in one of the major chemistry journals, um, Angaventa Shami, which came out on International Women's Day, actually. Love it. Which was basically sharing the results of the survey that we did because you know, scientists are great, but although they recognise their own issues in EDI, quite often they start by going, well, I'm not an EDI person, but. Mm. So WISC is different because they have me there who can say, well, yes, and this is all the literature where it's coming from, rather than just making it up and, and having polemics, we're actually having things that are rigorous and that are valid, but are also still using these creative and reflective approaches that are quite innovative within social sciences, let alone within sciences. So I just want to sorry. Sorry, I just want to just clarify EDI because some people might not know what that means. So yeah, e equality, diversity and inclusion, although the E can also stand for equity. And it's mm. also mm. sometimes um said as DEI, mostly in the States. Mm. Mm. And this obviously is really important for your story, but your story is indicative of many many stories in terms of that uh in terms of caring responsibilities in terms of um not being able to do those meetings at six o'clock in the evening or going in extra early or just uh, you know responding to emails at weekends and all of those kinds of things um which you know let's face it it's not necessarily brilliant practice anyway um but the, this this idea then of building and I know you were talking about building this this community this supportive community that's able to identify what's going on identify um just yeah fairness equality e e access for people um amazing work there yeah well we're doing we're doing a lot so already we've um set up a mentoring program so you get small group mentoring uh for women and those who are marginalized so far we've only had women apply but we would be open to anyone of any gender um using any of our resources or coming to any of our activities um and you're mentored by someone who's at least one career stage ahead of you so phd students are mentored by postdocs postdocs are mentored by early career researcher early career researchers are mentored by someone who's more senior we also have support clusters that we've set up and this is something that the community really really asked for so we have a, a support cluster for parents and again, it's open to any kind of parent. So foster parent, step parent, adoptive parent, prospective parent, someone who wants to find out what, what is mm. the reality of being a parent mm. um, and, and being a successful chemist. 
We have a new support cluster for those with disabilities, chronic illnesses and neurodivergences. Um, and we are in the process of setting up a, a third support cluster, which we're thinking is going to be a lot more formal because of just the amount of people that it, it hits and identify with it. And that will be for first gen uh, supramolecular chemists. So, Amazing. yeah, it's it's really good. And we've got a skills workshop that was postponed from uh, 2020 to 2021. Again, everything open to anyone of any gender because um, and our idea for WISC isn't about calling out instances of bad behaviour. So, yeah, my experience was really bad and it was nearly 20 years ago. Um, it was over 20 years ago, actually, because my oldest is now um, studying for a PhD in chemistry. So things definitely go full circle. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, but things things have changed and things have moved out but rather than trying to point the finger of blame mm. at people what we're trying to do is to call in the community to support each other mm. so we've actually had an awful lot of support from really senior people within the supermolecular chem chemistry community which is fantastic because they're pointing their women students towards us so that they can sign up for the mentoring program they're volunteering to become mentors but they're helping us to do the work because they're recognizing that they can't do it, but they can support us to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think this, that theme, again, that comes through from your story in terms of that the importance of relationships and friendships and building community. You know, you talked about the friendship with your supervisor and the friendship with your, your student that then has led on to amazing things. And it is fundamentally it's all about relationships and not in a kind of networking, you know, that kind of superficial way. This, this is this is an opportunity to make deep um, commitments in terms of being in relationship with each other and helping each other to, well, to be who you're going to be, to kind of to, to develop that work. I just, I, I think that is just so gorgeous. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, Whisk's tagline is creating a sense of kinship and community. And it's right. exactly that. It's to one of the biggest things that came out of our survey is the fact of, that women often feel isolated and lonely and mm. alone. And I know as a, in my two experiences of a PhD student in, in the first, there was a community of PhD students, but I was in computational chemistry where the working pattern was very much turn up at midday and work until midnight. And mm -hmm. I had to work from 8.30 until 5.30 to fit in with the nursery. So there was, there was not, it was not that great um, in terms of community. In the second, I was a part-time long distance student. So again, I was pretty isolated. I didn't mm -hmm. have a community of PhD students. And I think what we're doing with WISC is to making sure, is making sure that people aren't isolated and that they have people they can reach out to. A really interesting part of the project is a, um, a collaborative autoethnography group that we have as, as part of the ongoing research. And there's about 11 of us who meet once a month and just share what's been going on. What's been going on, we, we look at questions. We've been looking at this through COVID as well and the impact mm -hmm. of being running a lab group through COVID, which has been really different in different countries. So in the US, many labs carried on working, carried on being open the whole time, whereas in the UK, a lot was shut down for over six months. Mm. And, and then coming back in and where the groups are split and how that can affect the team dynamics. If you only ever see half your group or they don't see each other the whole time, how can they support each other? Mm. And one of the things that's been really coming out is the, the value that these women 
and this student's place on collaboration and teamwork and supporting each other. And there seems to be a real mismatch often in science where it's very competitive and it's very each man for himself. And I'm using that word intentionally. Mm. Mm. And, and it, we think this is probably one reason why so many women leave the field. And it, in chemistry, it's particularly bad. I think the outreach is great. You get 50% undergraduates. And then that tails off to less than 9% of women make it to full professor. Wow. And you compare that to physics where about 20% of women are undergraduates. Undergraduates are women and they have just under 9% of women at full professor. So they retain their women a lot better than the chemical sciences do. Right. Isn't that interesting? And disturbing. <laughs> yes. And I think, you know, WISC is very much aimed at supporting post-PhD so nice. through the PhD and post-PhD, because that's the stage where women are being failed or being let down, where women leave. Mm. Um, mm. The Royal Society of Chemistry has been doing a lot of work on this. And in 2019, so before the pandemic, they said at the current rate of change, they would never reach gender parity. And we know it's got a lot worse through COVID. Good grief. So there is, but there is, there is hope. There is hope because this this work is happening. And I know that um, there will be people then, we will have the details in the show notes because I know that people will be wanting to make contact. And I think also this can be an inspiration for those who are not in chemistry, um, that that this, these kinds of initiatives can garner support. You don't have to sit and um, take what is there at the moment that actually to to start to bring people together to talk about things and then to make connections within your discipline that as you say senior figures now are saying yes I will be mentor yes I will take this on that actually it could be that you're not in chemistry but you go what a brilliant model I'd like to set that up for my discipline and that would be amazing yeah so that's that's basically how we ended the the essay then in the chemistry journal saying one of the things that makes WISC different is the fact that it's field specific so it is very much geared to supramolecular chemistry, which is a particularly distinctive field within chemistry. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to say that we can make things different for women across the whole of chemistry or, we, or the whole of STEM, but we're just working where we know in this one field. And it's great because, you know, when it comes to looking at grant applications, when it comes to supporting people around references, around collaborations, then we can do that really easily. We think that one of the reasons, you know, there's so many programs to support women through academia and women in science, but they do tend to be very generalized. So, you know, you might be paired as a as a supramolecular chemist, you might be paired with with a mathematician or someone whose field works entirely differently. So it doesn't feel very relevant and it doesn't feel like you can actually connect with that person too much. Yes, because there's there's um well, there's some really interesting literature, isn't there, out there and in terms of how um, discipline-specific academia still is, despite kind of moves towards interdisciplinarity and this discussion, actually it still does work in silos quite a lot, which has its benefits <laughs> in terms of these kinds of initiatives that can be incredibly powerful because it's absolutely specific to that group of people. Um, so I think kind of harnessing that and just really encouraging people working in those other fields to kind of go, actually, do you know what? We could do that. We could replicate that. We could make a change. 
Yeah, I mean, we would love for WISP's model to be taken um, and then expanded and used in other fields and in, in other places. I think the, the two the two things that make it really important are making it feel specific, but also embedding that EDI knowledge. So mm. I think it's not just people doing something without any awareness of what they're doing, mm. you know, even knowing who, who Sarah Ahmed is for, you know, the word microaggressions, knowing that there's a whole body of work around this that already exists. It's not about reinventing the wheel and drawing that in as a, a field and, draw, you know, learning from it rather than starting from scratch. Absolutely. And to feel supported by that, I think, too, isn't it, that there is a whole discourse out there and a whole body of impassioned, eloquent people who are, have material that can support you in, in moving forward with this. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So come the, bring the revolution on. Come on, people. <laughs> let's let's do this. Um, and then just to finish, Jane, I'm going to ask you <laughs> ridiculously for a top tip. So someone who's sitting there now is, is ready to go what advice would you give? I think choosing your supervisor is really, really important because mm. it is a relationship that will shape your PhD. Um, and I think you have to choose someone that works for you and works with the kind of work that you want to do. And it can be very different. So in science, you're very often taken on to a project that has funding. So it's kind of already there and ready and waiting for you. Whereas in social sciences and arts and humanities, it's very much more you have to define your own project. But I think it's finding someone that you can work with and that you want to work with and who you respect and are willing to learn from is the most important thing to a successful PhD. I love that. I love that. And I know we, we talked about that in other podcast episodes and it, it kind of it really, I don't think we can say that enough in terms of really going through a process of interviewing your potential supervisor is this is this a match is this a match um thank you so much Jen for that I just I think the work that you are doing is absolutely amazing um and and um I look forward to seeing all the fruit that it brings um thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening thank you